every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Ryan Benici, CMO at GymPass. GymPass is a complete corporate well-being platform that ignites every journey to feel good. GymPass is reinventing well-being, making it engaging and accessible. Ryan is a globally renowned marketing leader and has twice been included in Forbes' world's most influential CMOs. On this episode, Ryan shares his insights into why investing in content is essential, ways to drive revenue and demand, and the importance of your distribution strategy. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Demandgen Visionaries is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified is the pipeline generation platform for revenue teams that use Salesforce. You can intelligently grow your pipeline by understanding the signals of buying intent and having real-time conversations right on your website. You can learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Ryan Benici and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today I am joined by a recurring guest, a special guest. He was guest number five on DGV. Ryan, how are you? Ian, I'm doing great. Thanks. It's so nice to be back here with yeah, you. Indeed. It feels like a lifetime ago. Company changes, children being born, all sorts yeah. of crazy, crazy stuff in our lives. I know. It must have been almost five years, four or five years. What a world. Okay. Let's get into it today. You have a new job. Tell us about your role at Gym Pass. Yeah, so I started at Gym Pass a little under four months ago. So a little bit about Gym Pass first. So Gym Pass is basically the world's best employee benefit, essentially. So it's something that your company buys, and it's then a perk for employees. And so for us specifically, it's the world's largest network of gyms and studios. I think we have 65,000 around the world. Not like just kind of basic gyms, it's really top tier, right? So with the gym pass, you have unlimited access to Equinox, F45, Barry's, Soul Cycle. So we really have this really premium, incredible network of gyms. And so that's a little bit about the business. The business started in Brazil 10 years ago and is now HQ'd in New York, which is where I am right now. And gosh, so I, I manage a team of about 400 people at Gym Pass. And because we're this sort of B2B2C marketplace, we essentially, you know, we sell to companies, that's the B2B part. And then we market to those companies as employees and those companies help us with that process. And so customer experience, customer service rolls up into marketing, given it's very digital. So about half of the 400 or so people are focused on helping our customers. So customer service, online chat, telephones, email. And then the other half is more traditional demand gen marketing, if you will. I love it. Customer success rolls up to marketing because it's digital. And I love it. It's just like this total change in, well, there's someone communicating with our customers and who should be doing that. And I think that that's just such a cool thing. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we still have client success, obviously, like there's that works with our large customers, right? So we have, you know, Fortune 500 companies that have hundreds of thousands of employees and engine pass. And so, 
you know, we're obviously doing white glove service there. It's more kind of, yeah, the digital channels, right? So if someone is reaching out, like with needing help getting into the gym or using our app or anything like that, or even like kind of signing up, for example, because it's all so digital these days, marketing is really the best team to handle digital channels because it's sort of like our bread and butter, essentially. So yeah, so it's been a really interesting part of the role, which I haven't been over in the past at previous companies. I'm really enjoying that actually. And it's interesting because it's so interconnected with like the lifetime value of your customers and ensuring they have a great experience. And we're starting to do a lot more data analysis around trying to connect like NPS scores with retention, churn, et cetera. So it's a really fun space. So I feel really lucky. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I'm sure that just from the data that you can tag these accounts and follow these accounts and that it's under one person and under one dashboard and thinking about it all like that is is super fascinating that like yeah <laughs> i'd love to say it was all that connected we're working yeah, on that but i think with any marketing sales system there's a lot of disconnect between the systems themselves and so we're working on a big project right now to connect all of our systems up because i think when a company blitz scales it's really important that all teams have autonomy to get the tech that they need to move quickly and then once you kind of reach a certain point you start to realize that that doesn't really help you continue to grow and you need to start to kind of like sync systems in different ways, consolidate systems. And so we're going through that process right now, but I feel I feel like in the next few months, we'll be at a point where we like have a true 360 degree view of our customers and can start to connect like all of their touch points with our brand, digital, in-person, check-ins at a gym, NPS score, et cetera, and really start to manage the experience as best as we can. All right, let's get to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree in the nest, are we not? This is where we go and feel honest and trusted, and you can share those deepest, darkest demand gen and marketing <laughs> secrets. So okay. tell me who GymPass customers are. So we kind of think of ourselves as a three-sided marketplace. We truly have three sort of groups of customers. So it starts with our partners, right? So our partners are Equinox, Lifetime Fitness, SoulCycle, F45, Crunch, Orange Theory, et cetera. So they're a customer of ours, essentially, right? Like we need them as part of our model for our model to work. You know, we have a partner marketing team. We do things there. So that's like one leg, if you will, in like a three-legged stool. Then basically what we're doing is we're giving these amazing services that our partners provide to companies. So there's a B2B component, right? And so we're selling to HR typically at these companies, depending on the size. If it's a multinational Fortune 500, we're probably selling to a director or a VP of benefits. If it's an SMB and they're buying touchless for our website, it's probably a head of HR. It might even be a CEO, right? If it's like a 10, 20 person company. So that's like the B2B arm, which is essentially like the second leg of the stool. And the third leg is the employees of that company, Right, so the the company's buying an enterprise subscription to GymPass, and then the employees basically are buying their own subscription to a different package. So, for example, I like Equinox, I like F forty five. They're like in the top tier of our individual plans, and so I'm paying. I think it's like a hundred and fifty a month for unlimited access to Equinox and all of those gyms. Which, like, just to go to one Equinox alone, like a monthly subscription is like two hundred and fifty dollars. So I think it's actually three fifty in New York. And then you're stuck at one location. We can afford to pay the gyms what they would normally get because we have this enterprise subscription, which is like the different component of our revenue, which is 
what some of our competitors that started in like the direct to consumer space lack. They never had like two revenue streams. They have a really similar name to us. <laughs> and so because of that, partners like us a lot more because of the fact that we're not cutting into their profit margins, which I love, right? Because we want to serve like all of those three customers, if you will, equally. And they're all incredibly important. And we don't want to hurt any of them. So that's a little bit about what, what our customers look like. Awesome. And so someone like me, if Caspian, we got... 20 plus employees. If we wanted to get on gym pass, we're going to pick a plan, pay X amount of dollars a month. And then our employees have the opportunity to choose their own individual plans from there. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, companies can choose to subsidize more of the employee costs. So some companies will say, Hey, we'll pay for the first $50 of the employees component. We have a free plan, which is the digital plan. We have like a $10 plan, a $20 plan. So like all of those plans might be completely free if your company is subsidizing the first 50 and then from 50 to 150, you might pay like a hundred dollars if you want the top plan out of pocket. So that's kind of how it works. We launched our touchless sort of SMB signup flow. I think before I joined and since I joined, we've been refining it further. Um, but, but yeah, that's kind of how we I gotta sign up. Are we already have, I'm big on benefits is like the first thing that I did when I started Caspian. we use just works and we, so we have like really elite tier benefits and something I just felt super strongly about. I mean, I came from the army, right. Where it's like, I was in mm-hmm. HR in the army. So it's like, if you're worried about anything else, you're not worried about what's on the battlefield. And so I, that's kind of how I believe as an entrepreneur, but I, I'm going to look into gym pass. This is awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to check it out. I'll go through the self-serve and I'll let you know, cause this is super exciting. And let's dig in a little bit more on that buying committee on that HR leader. Is this something that they're looking for? Is this something that they already want? What's the demand level? And then how are you structuring your marketing team to engage those enterprise accounts? So the buying committee, like, yes, it's definitely something that they're looking for. And we're really lucky. There's not really any competitor in the space that sells in the way that we sell which is why in the last sort of six months we've grown, we've doubled the business and we're already at a really significant kind of revenue run rate. There's a strong need. There has been, especially during COVID, we were kind of one of those businesses that really sort of were able to support employees and help our businesses and customers during that time. And it's kind of grown since then. So yeah, it's definitely need. I think that needs become even stronger in the last few months with employee retention going down, the great resignation, which we keep hearing more and more about. And so companies are doing more and more to sort of retain their employees, but also to manage the well-being of their employees too, right? Like if your employees aren't well, they're not going to be productive. They're not going to be happy. It's been um, a big sort of focus area, I think, for a lot of HRs. In terms of the buying committee, your question there, I mean, in bigger companies, right, it starts with someone that's managing benefits, and then they have a pool of funds, which they're allocating to different, you know, some things are reactive, some things are proactive, right? So like your healthcare plans, et cetera, that's kind of probably more of like a reactive benefit that you use, like when there's a problem, Gym Pass is more of like a proactive benefit. I inherited the team, obviously, four months ago and have been kind of like working with the team over the last few months to best understand how we should be structured moving forward, not necessarily because I just joined and I want to do that, but more so just because we're growing so quickly as a company. And I think the company doubled in employees within the last year or two from 700 to 1600 or so. I think with any company that's moving that quickly and developing new products and different business units, you're constantly kind of evolving your org structures to meet the needs of the company. So when I joined, there was essentially sort of like two different business units. There was 
the B2B business unit, which was how do we attract HR people to consider GymPass for their company? And then how do we connect them with our sales team to generate marketing source revenue for the company? So that's the B2B team. And then there was a B2C team, which is essentially, okay, once they've signed, how do we market to their employees? And so we market to them through channels like email, right? Like we, we typically receive their employee lists and they keep updating their employee lists from syncing that with our back end, so that as they hire new people, those employees are now eligible for gym pass and they can sign up. We have millions and millions and millions of people in our database that we are then marketing to through own channels, which is really cost effective. Sometimes we can't reach employees via email because they may work in stores, right? We have some retail clients that have hundreds of thousands of employees that work in retail stores. They don't have company email addresses. So it's more difficult for us to, to contact them. And we might use different kind of in-person activations, digital advertising, et cetera. So there's, they're kind of like the two revenue teams, B2B and B2C. There's your brand creative and comms team, which is sort of all in one, which is kind of focused higher in the funnel on our brand impressions awareness. At the very bottom of the funnel, there's what we call CX, customer experience, which is that team that I mentioned earlier, which is focused on meeting the needs of our customers and prospects digitally. So answering their questions online, building FAQ content, helping them with any issues they may have. And then there's a marketing ops and tech and analytics team that we're building right now, which is really focused on, you know, how do we build the right resources for the marketing team to be able to do what they need to do? So connecting up data, analyzing, driving insights. Oh, yeah, and I'm hiring a VP of content and organic growth at the moment. So we're building a content team. But I think as we start to kind of like scale up and start to sell more to the SMB, right? Like say a sales-led approach for SMB doesn't necessarily scale from a CAC perspective and an affordability perspective. So really building an inbound machine that is attracting those SMBs and kind of moving them through our SMB signup flow is key. So building that content team to do that. So fascinating. Great overview there. I'm curious as you build out the content team and obviously you could put your priorities in so many different directions, that HR buyer mm. committee, that person is looking for that. I mean, you could even obviously click up a couple all the way up to the CEO who wants a healthier, more engaged, more. Totally. Yeah. Totally. They're, they're definitely a part of the buying committee. And what's really interesting is they're typically a champion for Gym Pass because if you think of most CEOs, it's rare that a CEO doesn't take their health pretty seriously. I, I think this is like true of a lot of executives, to be honest. Like there's definitely an over-indexation, I think, of type A people when it comes to executives and yeah. especially CEOs. And fitness and exercise is a way to manage stress and to kind of like keep things under wraps and help you. And I, I mean, that's certainly true for me, many CEOs that I've worked with. So helping them understand that like the perks that they can afford as a CEO, aka like a personal trainer, Equinox, et cetera, like their employees can have that yeah. as well is sort of the sales pitch to them, which resonates. All right, let's get to our next segment, the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. This is where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win Give me your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items. To me, like paid and content marketing is so important, right? Like paid marketing helps you pay the bills today. It helps you drive revenue, drive demand, and it helps you build up your inbound funnel for content. So I feel like it's rare a company wouldn't be doing both of those things regardless of their size. 
doing paid really, really well. Every, everyone can do paid, like doing it really well, I think is a different story and having really great people lead it is key. I'm not as much of a fan of outsourcing those skills and using agencies. I prefer to hire really incredible paid talent in-house. But I think that's kind of the on-demand piece. And then the content side of the house, again, is key. I'm sure if you go back to your fifth episode where we spoke last time, I'm sure content was a big part of what I said. And I, and I feel like nothing has changed. If anything, actually, it's become more and more important just because the cost per click and the CPAs of paid media are getting more and more expensive. So I'm still a firm believer in that. It's definitely gotten harder, though. Can you give me some examples of that, of ways that people are doing paid right or paid, paid wrong? It's a few things. If you're using agencies and you're an in-house paid person, it's more of a project manager, I think. There's typically a lot of kind of fat that can be cut in the paid programs that you're doing. And I just feel like those people that are running through agencies and aren't maybe as skilled themselves aren't able to click into and really understand what's going on properly and doing like really good audits of the paid media campaigns. It's pretty easy to do that and quickly realize like what keywords, what campaigns aren't working, why are we still spending money on it? So I'd say that's part of it. I'm a big fan of actually like not doing branded paid. I think like this is a pretty like heated, debated topic, but I just think it's like a total racket paying Google for your brand terms. And by that, I mean like us paying for the term gym pass on Google search, for example, Right. Like I know some people do that to block out their yep. competitors. We're pretty lucky that we don't really have any super direct competitors in the space that do exactly what we do in the same kind of go to market motion. And so for us, I don't think it's necessary. We are still doing branded paid, which I feel like I'm going to ask the team to pull back on and at least cut it for a month and see what the results are. And when kind of doing that in the past, I feel like you still get the majority of the clicks that you would have gotten, maybe a teeny bit less that you can then repurpose that budget elsewhere. I think like another one, even just social ads, right? I remember when I was at HubSpot, we did testing and we would literally launch the same ad with the same campaign, with the same targeting multiple times at the same time. And you'd be amazed by how quickly Facebook's paid algorithm kicks in, in the sense of like, if one of your three ads, which are all identical, same targeting, et cetera, gets more engagement quickly just because of chance, right? Like they're all identical. So like there's no reason why one should get better engagement with the others. Like just the fact that one of them got more engagement will see like a much higher engagement rate really quickly and then a much higher kind of reachability and then a much lower cost per acquisition and the other ones will underperform. And again, there's, there's truly no reason why that should be the case, but it's just because like Facebook's data is saying, oh, this is connecting better. Like let's go more down that path. And I remember that was something our paid team learned really quickly. And so instead of just doing one version of our paid ads or paid campaigns, they do multiple versions of the exact same one because that way then you can cut the campaigns that didn't get that quick engagement and then didn't scale up. But again, it's little hacks like that that I think if you don't have really incredible people running your paid programs, you just, you would never think, like who would think to run three, like AB tests or like ABC tests, like, three of the exact same targetings, the exact same creatives, the exact same messages because of the fact Facebook's algorithm picks up on the engagement really quickly. So it's stuff like that that I just don't think an agency is going to be doing. Like they're not going to care enough. I think I'm a bit biased there, but that's just my experience with working with really great paid people. I love that. 
And then you mentioned content, obviously, we talk about is this idea of your website is this new digital storefront and your website is where your sales people can live and all this transactions are happening and kind of it's essentially the most underinvested asset pretty much across the board for any B2B company, even though it's so important. Mm. And so this idea of like what's on your website, obviously all your product and all your product details and all this stuff, but also all of your content. And it's just such a dynamic thing mm. to have all this content and everything about your company, obviously. And so I'm just curious, like, how do you think yeah. about making investments in content, which can be pretty complex? I'm a really strong believer in content as sort of like a traction tool through, through organic search. So for me, when I talk about content, I'm typically talking about content that drives organic traffic to your site, you're right, through Google, people going to Google, finding your content, podcasts, et cetera, I think are kind of like another layer of content, really important. I think more important, maybe from a thought leadership perspective than than people finding them organically, right? They're great if someone shares them with someone, but I think there's not really great tools today that kind of index the the content of the podcast. I think there's a ton of value in podcasts. We're launching our own podcast at the moment. So for me, it really starts with like the investment that you asked about, really investing in keyword research and understanding what are the things that the audience we want to attract are going to Google and searching for. And then really building kind of our content strategy from there. I think a huge part of content marketing that people don't think enough about is your distribution strategy. And so inherently in kind of the way we do content and the way I think of it is like it has organic distribution naturally built into it. So that's kind of like a just a, a byproduct of doing it that way. I think the link building and other strategies that help you more proactively get your content distributed using social, etc. are also really important. I think at the end of the day, the most important thing with your content investments is to invest in creating really good content because, um, you know, if the content sucks, it doesn't matter how good your distribution strategy is. People won't stay on your blog post or listen to your podcast for long and the systems will realize that it's not very valuable content and then your rankings will go down. So I think what is so interesting is this like two pronged approach, which is that type of stuff is a lot of times more aspirational, what's coming, what the future is, how people are doing things in real life. It's very human-centric, story-driven, all that sort of stuff, which is inherently different from keyword-type research, that type of content. I think more so like when you're doing content marketing, right? Like people have a problem, they're trying to solve that problem, and your content helps them solve that problem. That's not like... That's never, that kind of content rarely is going to connect with a decision maker unless you're creating content around like how to run an executive offsite yeah. or how to build an executive team, right? Like obviously like the people searching for that are probably executives or CEOs, but in general, it's harder to connect with decision makers in a thought leadership way for content marketing. And that's where I think podcasting and kind of like longer form in-depth stuff that you it's less about a job to be done and more about like personal stories etc and learnings that like that becomes a really useful asset for your sales team right to send to a decision maker to say hey i think you'd like this hey your brand was mentioned in this and that can be kind of that conversation starter like i think it's rare that a blog post from like your company is going to be the thing that you send to a decision maker to, to begin a conversation might be, but, but more often than not, it probably isn't. Yeah, I think the other piece on that that's so important is that if you create a great series, you're getting all these people to essentially guest blog post for you, right? 
Like that's part of the allure of it is if you can create a great series that has an audience that you can promote, that people can tap into, that serves the audience, a specific audience exclusively, that that feeds like that piece of it, that it's basically part influencer marketing and part customer marketing because a lot of those people's or some of those people might be your customers. And so I think that that's where you can get it like these two different use cases for for making that stuff. And at the end of the day, like all roads lead back to your website, you can promote assets in that. But the other piece of this that I think is really interesting is a lot of that type of content is where your people are in app, in device. It's used from a consumer grade perspective and you don't have to build all that stuff. And that's another thing that I think is really cool that those roads end up leading back to you and your brand and your website. I think tech to me is so key, right? Like building a really strong tech stack is the one area where I'm pretty hesitant to cut because I feel like there's just so many great tools out there today that help us marketers do our jobs better, whether it's data enrichment tools, like attribution tools. I'd say probably that's an area where I wouldn't cut. I think you're blind if you cut your MarTech stack and your analytics stack. And um, So I'd say that's probably probably an uncuttable one for me. What about something that's going out of favor or something that you're not going to be investing in anytime soon? I always struggle with PR, to be honest. It's always about trying to pitch the product as opposed to like build relationships with journalists. And one of the things that I was saying to the person that leads PR for us is like, I really want their compensation to be tied to performance. I was reading the statement of work, I think, the other day, and it was talked about, we're here for reactive crisis comms, we will pitch journalists, we will help with story creation. I'm like, that's like a lot of the stuff that you're doing. I, I really don't care like what you do. Like I care like what results you drive. So like how many tier one stories are you going to generate for us? How many tier two stories, tier three stories, et cetera? Like what, like how do you manage kind of the results? And that's what I care about. And if you overachieve on the number of stories that we agree to as the goal, then I'll pay you more. This is a new type of company. Like you said, how is your website different? Seems like it's got to be thrice as complex perhaps. Yeah, that's an interesting question and something that we've like, we're doing a bunch of tests right now on the website with like new homepage. So when I joined because of those different business units that I mentioned, if you go to our homepage today, it's very consumer centric. So it looks like we're a direct to consumer kind of D to C, B to C product, like the competitors that started before us. And we're now kind of like balancing the B2B and the B2C message. So like when you hit our homepage, it's clear that we make it really clear that we're an employee benefit. If you're a company, we push you down like the company sign up path to get started. If you're an individual, we push you down there. Like, how do you get started with Jim Pass through your company? The website, I think, has done a really good job at catering to consumers that are eligible for Jim Pass. I think it's underserved um, our B2B buyer, so HR people. And um, so that's something that we're, we've, we're doing a lot of changes to and testing right now. You've done the CMO things a few times. Where's your head at when you went into this role? Anything you did different? Yeah. I mean, so many things. I don't know if, how much of it is conscious versus unconscious, but this time definitely feels very different in, in the best kind of way. I mean, I think what's so, super unique about my time at Jim Pass was that actually we hired a new chief revenue officer at the same time as I was hired and we both started on the same day. It could have gone really badly. <laughs> it went and is going beautifully well. And I think what's been so lovely about that and my counterpart, Carolee, who's our chief revenue officer and who I'm 
connected at the hip with and love. We're able to kind of look at the company and point out areas of opportunity that we can fix together. And none of it's personal, right? Because neither of us were responsible for creating what exists today. I don't mean that what exists today is bad. I mean, it's amazing. The company is growing so well, right? But at every kind of stage of growth, there are things that served you to a certain point that need to change. And that's been super unique, I think, because we've, we've, we're on a really similar learning curve together. So that's made this experience really, really special. And I give so much credit to my boss, our CEO, and our chief people officer for really like matchmaking us beautifully. So that's that's been really unique. I think my feedback to companies that I am consulting with regularly is if revenue and marketing aren't working well together, like think about renewing both of them at the same time, if you can. So I'd say that'd be one of those things. I think for me, slowing down a little bit, which is kind of counterintuitive, but in the past, I think I've wanted to drive impact really quickly when joining a new company, which I think is natural of anyone in any role, right? Wanting to really quickly drive results. I think the more senior you get, though, the more difficult it becomes to drive like really quick results in the sense of like revenue or like with a program, right? And and if you're trying to do it, trying to do that, you're probably like underserving the bigger picture of your job. And so what I really appreciate about my boss was from the get-go, he was like, Ryan, we're doing really, really well. Even if you weren't here, like we would get to over 100% of our goal this year. We need you for like us in two, three, four years, like to help build what we need for, you know, post a billion revenue. And that was so nice because it kind of, it took a little bit of the pressure off so that I could actually really get to know everyone on the leadership team, really get to know my team, really get to know people across the company. And I'm the kind of person that puts a lot of pressure on myself. I think my counterpart in sales is the same. And so I think for us to kind of get that sort of, ability to know that we didn't need to really quickly try and scramble to fix something because it wasn't broken it was really powerful i always think of we might have talked about this last time but i always think about like when you're in a role like you need to kind of balance relationships and results a leader that over indexes on relationships and under index on results isn't good and the vice versa results without relationships isn't good but if you're going to choose one i'd probably say choose results over relationships because at least like you're driving impact Let's get to our final segment, Quick Hits. These are quick questions and quick answers, just like how quickly you can talk to somebody from Qualified. If you go to Qualified.com, Qualified Prospects are on your website right now, and you can talk to them quickly if you use Qualified. Go to Qualified.com to learn more. We love them. They're the very, very best, and they've been with us since episode five, since episode one, since the very beginning of this show. Qualified is the best. Quick Hits. Ryan, are you ready? I am totally ready. Hidden talent or skill that's not on your resume? I'm an amazing sleeper. Like nobody sleeps like I sleep. Like I'm a nine hour per night kind of sleeper. Can sleep anywhere. I'm a master at naps. Favorite book, podcast, TV show that you've been checking out recently? Favorite book of all time is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle and also The Great Gatsby at Love. Podcasts, I love Pivot and Sway, which both have the same co-host um, and are amazing. They're, I think they're from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Ryan, that's it. That's all we got for today. Thanks so much for joining. You are hiring. You're hiring multiple positions. So for our marketing friends, go to gympass.com and check that out. Yes, please do. And Thanks, yeah, nudge yeah. your HR person and tell them to go buy Gympass because it's pretty damn awesome. Any final yeah. thoughts? 
it's a pretty amazing perk i'm not gonna lie no thanks so much for having me it was a pleasure as always and excited to keep watching what you're doing thanks so much hopefully we'll have you back sooner than 90 episodes from now but it's always great always great (laughs) chatting with you ManGen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.